0: This Taking Back Trump's America podcast is brought to you by Steve Bannon's War Room. Listen to Bannon's War Room live daily from 10 a.m. to noon and 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern time on Rumble. Or subscribe to Bannon's War Room on Apple Podcasts. Bannon's War Room. All signal, no noise.
1: Hi, Peter Navarro here, and welcome back to the Taking Back Trump's America podcast. This is a follow-on from the last podcast. I'm guest hosting for Steve Bannon, and this is the 11 o'clock hour Eastern time. Take a listen, it's on fire with Steve Cortez.
2: And we saw arrive at the Manhattan District Attorney's Office to surrender himself just a little after 9 a.m. this morning. As he was leaving his SUV, he shook his lawyer's hands, and then he turned to the crowd of cameras there saying, um, among other things, this is all about 60 days to the day referencing the midterm election, suggesting that this prosecution is politically motivated. So now that Bannon is in custody, he will be arrested and go through the motions. He will then appear in court this afternoon around 2.15 to be arraigned on these state charges. Uh, we're expecting the Manhattan District Attorney and the New York Attorney General to hold a joint press conference around 1 p.m. Eastern time. Likely then we will see what these actual charges are. The indictment will
0: be on. They put Peter Navarro in leg irons for simply doing his constitutional duty. Now they want to put Peter in prison for standing up for Donald Trump. Please go to Amazon right now and order Taking Back Trump's America to help fund Peter's legal defense. Taking Back Trump's America provides a critical MAGA blueprint to put Trump back in the White House in 2024. Buy Taking Back Trump's America on Amazon today. If they can put Peter Navarro in prison, they can come for all of us.
1: Peter K. Navarro in for Stephen K. Bannon and you know why I'm here. I'm not happy about it. Not because I don't love you posse folks. It's because of what's happening yet again to a top Trump guy in Stephen K. Bannon. And how much much is enough folks out there before we have a political uprising the likes of which you've never seen peaceful At the ballot box. Posse. Look at this through the arc of history. They're putting me in leg irons. They're raiding panty raids. At Mar-a-Lago. Go back to 2016. They took out Mike Flynn. Manafort in prison. Papadopoulos in prison. Roger Stone. With a frogman raid. The New York authorities. Going after Trump's tax stuff. Ad infinitum. This is nothing but lawfare. Lawfare, it's the obscene misuse of our legal system to persecute and prosecute political individuals that they hope to make literally political prisoners. This cannot stand. Now, if you're as mad as I am, there's only one thing to do. The canon of Bannon. Action, action, action. And the actions that I'm asking you to do today is signal, not noise. I want you to focus like a laser beam on these November elections, Posse. I want you to figure out today, if you're not doing this already, who you can support in a congressional race, a Republican in a congressional race that will help us get back the speaker's gavel from Nancy Pelosi and take back the, the weaponization unconstitutionally of the investigatory powers of Congress. What they're doing is just flat out wrong. We need to stop that right now. And once once. We get the speaker's gavel. Come January, the tables turn. Those investigatory powers will be used constitutionally, fairly, correctly, to find out just what the hell is going on in the rest of this government. The Department of Justice, the FBI, the White House, the National Archives. This is what's important. So find out today who you can help support with time and money. And by the way, everyone in the war room needs to figure out whether they want to help Carrie Lake in Arizona and Blake Masters for Senate. Tudor Dixon for governor in Michigan and Christina Corallo, Secretary of State. Don't forget Fincham in Arizona for Secretary of State. Doug Mastriano. For governor in Pennsylvania and Oz for Senate. This this whole look, whatever you think about Oz, right? He's Trump backed and the guy running against him, Fetterman, uh, is <laughs> is is the worst kind of woke progressive masquerading like Joe Biden as some kind of blue collar mega type. No 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 no. We can't buy that. So it's action action, action. That's what I'm asking you to do today. Stephen K. Bannon is yet again in the barrel. Why? Because he's got the number one political show and podcast in the world. The Democrats rightly fear him. They want to take him out. Simple as that. Let's go now to the economy. And brother Steve Cortez, First thing I'm going to do with you, Steve, before you say anything, is I'm going to take a figurative scissors and figuratively cut that tie off about about <laughs> mid-chest before you start. Man, you're you're like freaking me out here, man. What is this? It's like hey, you're not on newsbacks anymore. Come on, brother. You're in the it's war not pushed room. all the way up. How about that? Can Come, get on? Some Come on. Come on. Come into my world. All right. What, do, what are we talking about today? The, the stock market. Uh, And the bond market have been down simultaneously, which signals stagflation. The latest data coming in. Walk us through uh, Steve Cortez land, the latest uh, read on the economy.
2: Yeah, happy to. But Peter, just briefly, before I get to the economy, which is critical and which Joe Biden has made a mess of, of course, in this country, I do just want to say what is happening to you, what is happening to Steve Bannon with this prosecutorial abuse, this weaponization of law enforcement against political opponents, it is unconscionable. Uh, And both you and Steve are brave patriots. You are political warriors. And we're not going to hear either one of you griping. Neither one of you is going to wallow in sorrow and say, woe is me. But it is totally unjust what is being done to you. And regarding what's happening to Steve Bannon today, it is no coincidence that this happened two years ago, right before the 2020 election, to try to neutralize him as the most, other than Donald Trump, the most effective spokesman and architect of the America First Movement. It's no coincidence it's happening now right in front of the midterms. This must stop. We cannot have political operatives, people like Steve Bannon, arrested every two years before the midterms. This is banana republic crap. Um, Now, speaking of banana republic, unfortunately, economically, (laughs) our country is, is headed that way. And I'm not exaggerating. When you look at the totality of the data and the metrics, that show the incredible economic anxiety and angst in the country right now, particularly among middle and lower income folks. And what I'd like to point you to today, Peter, because I think this is important, I like to give these company updates. And when I do this, by the way, I have no opinion on these companies. I'm I'm not saying this stock is a buy or a sell, but I'm saying these companies are reflective of a much larger truth that is out there, and that is that the consumer is absolutely floundering right now. So Newell, N-W-L is the ticker. If we can pull up chart number one, please. Um, and that, that's the, the headline from the Wall Street Journal about Newell brand says retailers are cutting consumer goods orders. And if we can go to chart one, please, and show, no, that's that's chart two, folks, if we can show chart number one. We'll get to that one in a second. Uh, the, don't don't tease it out yet. There we go. Chart number one. That is Newell Brands. NWL is the ticker. You might not know this name, Newell, but you know their products. A lot of kitchen products, a lot of outdoor living kind of stuff. So they own, for example, Mr. Coffee, Sunbeam, Coleman Coolers, Calphalon. They also own Sharpie markers, which Peter Navarro uses to sign autographs, which he does all day, every day. So they own a lot of brands in your life, particularly in your kitchen. If you, As you can see on that chart, NWL. It has hit, a, as of yesterday, hit a new 2022 low. And to give you an idea of just how bad the pain is for consumer-facing companies like Newell, from the highs of 2022 in January to yesterday's low, down 32%. Now, minus 20% is a bear market. So this is a bear market on steroids. And again, I'm not trying to pick on this company, but I think this is the reality that we are seeing across the board. Let me read you a quote from the CEO of Newell. This is what he said, quote, We have experienced a significantly greater-than-expected pullback in retailer orders and continued inflationary pressures on the consumer. Continued inflationary pressures on the consumer. So, Peter, as you know better than anybody because of your economic expertise, this inflation is so persistent. It's so severe and intense that consumers simply cannot handle it. We also got out yesterday, Peter, uh, for the first hey, time. Steve, Gallup, let me oh, just, sure.
1: uh, I'm going to let you continue with your charts. I just want to make one point and have you reflect on this. I was stunned at one level when the latest trade deficit data came in, which showed that our trade deficit actually declined. And when we were in the Trump administration we love to have that happen we were able to engineer that because of our tariff policy and this that and the other thing and then it's like i read below the fold there and why that's happening and it speaks directly to your point it's like consumers are so strapped that they're when they're not buying stuff from newell and others a lot of that stuff is imported stuff so That's another sign that that the consumer is in deep trouble if our trade deficit is going down counterintuitively. Anyway, back to you, sir.
2: No, it's an excellent point. Look, we want the trade deficit to go down with demand staying high, right, meaning that Americans are choosing to buy American-made products and that they have the option to buy American-made products. Uh, In this case, the trade deficit went down for the wrong reasons. You're exactly correct. It's because of consumer retrenchment, because for now, most of the sourcing for the consumer is still overseas. We need to change that. That has to be a primary objective of the second Trump term, and we will get to that. But for the time being, the consumer remains incredibly imperiled. Now, let's look at at the consumer uh, in light of housing, okay? because I think this is also incredibly important. Redfin, the realty company, they put out a lot of very good data. And they put out some data just yesterday that I think is very telling of the situation in the country. And this data relates to first time home buyers. So now, if we, excuse me, not first time home buyers, home buyers, just refers to home buyers. If we can pull up chart number two right now, please. Okay, so these are the trends from 2019 pre pandemic to right now. And by the way, this is for home buyers. So you have already sort of self selected. A group of people which are generally more successful. People who are buying homes, particularly given home prices today, in general, have higher incomes, are doing better, have been able to uh, save to afford a down payment. So, this is already a group that is doing relatively well compared to middle and lower income folks. But among home buyers, okay, incomes have grown, as that table shows, incomes have grown almost 7% since 2019. At the same time, median home prices have grown 29%. That is the reality right now, and this is nationwide data from Redfin. So your income has grown since 2019. That's a good thing. It hasn't grown enough since Biden took office, uh, but it's grown. But it is nowhere near keeping pace at the absolute surge in the price of land, in the price of housing. Why? Because Biden's inflation is causing a mass rush of capital into tangible assets, assets like farmland like single-family homes, which have tremendous institutional participation, something that never happened before. Why? Because that smart money, that smart institutional money, wants protection against Biden's inflation. But the reality is, even for folks who are doing well, and again, that's by definition home buyers, even for folks who are doing well, they're not doing nearly well enough to keep pace, to be able to afford the things that they want and need in their lives. Americans are getting poorer, every single day. We now have 17 months in a row of declining year-over-year average wage, real wage growth in the United States. These are the consequences of Joe Biden, and we see it in the real estate market. So when you combine what Newell and many other consumer-facing companies tell us that they are seeing at the consumer level, when you combine that then with this data on real estate and housing, the reality, unfortunately, for the consumer, for citizens in the United States, is that they are in a financial vice right now. They are literally taking it from all sides. And that's been with a job market, which up until now has been relatively healthy. But there are many signs pointing to the job market deteriorating significantly in the coming months as this recession intensifies. So these are the consequences, and again, as always, I don't bring all this data to the forefront to depress the American people. I want the deplorables out there to be educated on what's going on and to have a a dispassionate view of the reality that they face. But I also want it to motivate everybody, just as they should be motivated by what's happening to Steve Bannon today, as they should be motivated by what is going on to Peter Navarro. All of this, the economics, the unjust and, and politicized DOJ, all of this should be encouraging and motivating to take action because we have an election weeks away and it is a fulcrum election and we have to get these America First candidates over the finish line.
1: All right, Steve, uh, when we come back uh, the break, we're going to continue. I want to go beyond uh, the consumer issue, look more at some of the manufacturing side, go look around the world, what's going on and what it means for us. Uh, Peter K. Navarro in... We're Stephen K. Bannon. You're here in the War Room where you hear news first. We'll be right back.
0: watch see it's all started. Everything's begun and you are over. Because we're taking down the CCP. That's the incendiary new book from former Trump trade czar Peter Navarro, available on Amazon today. Stephen K. Bannon calls Taking Back Trump's America a brass knuckled insider's account of the merciless 2020 fall and miraculous 2024 rise of the White House of Trump. Taking Back Trump's America is the blueprint for a new Trump White House that will truly make America great once again. Order Taking Back Trump's America today on Amazon.
2: Some of the workers at at companies, literally their last act at the factory was to unbolt the machine and load it up to be shipped off to China.
1: (laughs) So, all right, so that was Tim Ryan. And that was a clip, I actually love that clip, from uh, the film I did um, back in 2011 called Death by China, it's on YouTube, it's free. It was on Netflix for for many years. Um, But here's the thing, I I have a confession to make. Uh, I like Tim Ryan, at least I I like him as an individual and a person. Uh, And that's the problem here, because I think there's gonna be Ohioans who view Tim Ryan as their favorite son and might be tempted to vote for him. And if you go back to that rhetoric and Death by China, I mean, he literally was one of the first Democrats back in 2011 who was banging on the communist China taking our jobs and manufacturing base issue. I mean, that clip, it's like I went to the factories where he, he talked about they were burnt out shells where the the machines literally had been taken over to communist China. And a lot of the times, and this was like so kind of arrogant in your face of the Chinese, they'd hire the, the workers there to come over to China for a few months and teach them how to use the machines and then send them on their way. Okay. I mean, that's like, and Tim Ryan, like he understood that at the time, but here's the problem now with Tim Ryan. He he is somebody who has so far lost his way that he doesn't even know what that way was to begin with. And the problem started when he decided to run for president. I think he, he polled like 1% of the vote when, when it was all done. But um, when you run for president and you're not kind of your, your values are not the values of the Democrat Party. You, you got a choice to make. You either stay true to who you are, the blue collar, pro manufacturing kind of guy, or you pivot and become just another politician with rhetoric. And Tim Ryan, during the presidential race, decided to go left of Bernie Sanders on things like cars and this, that, and the other thing. And now, I mean, look, it's, it's uh, Bill Parcells, the NFL coach. You are what your record says you are. And what Tim Ryan's record says he is, is that he's simply a puppet of Chuck Schumer and the Democrats who voted for every single thing that the Democrats wanted to do. You didn't see Tim Ryan pull... Pull a uh, a a mansion Joe Mansion kind of play where for the good of his state he held firm and maybe maybe got something for that no 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 Ryan has been all in on the woke progressive agenda and who better to talk about that race with in Ohio between JD Vance the Trump backed candidate the MAGA candidate versus Tim Ryan. The Schumer Pelosi progressive woke, then the guy we had on in the last segment Cortez, who not isn't just an economist, apparently he's also a political strategist for J D Vance. Steve um, wax uh, more eloquent certainly than I was on this because you're right there at the grassroots. Sure. What's going on with Tim Ryan and J D Vance right now? He's, Look, he's closer Tim- than he should be.
2: Tim Ryan is a political weather vane. And what I mean by that is he faces whichever way he believes the political winds are blowing. Uh, And he often gets it wrong, by the way, regarding the direction of the wind. But that's the reality, because his populist rhetoric, his fake populist rhetoric, it is as empty as the Ohio factories that he helped to destroy by supporting the Democratic Party and Joe Biden, who is principally responsible, perhaps more than any other single American, what china has done to america broadly but specifically to the industrial heartland midwest since joe biden let's be specific with some numbers since joe biden as a then senator was one of the principal and foremost architects and proponents of china joining the wto on terms that were incredibly generous to the junta in beijing to the chinese communist party which was a bipartisan effort by the way george w bush every bit as blameworthy as the the democrats but biden again was at the forefront of that movement And from that moment in 2001, China and the WTO, until 2015, the state of Ohio lost 190,000 manufacturing jobs to China, and that is according to the Economic Policy Institute, which is a left-leaning think tank. Uh, Almost 200,000 family-sustaining, high-paying manufacturing jobs in the Buckeye State lost. Okay, That's Joe Biden. That's who he is. Now, who is Tim Ryan? Well, according to 538, another left-leaning organization, a poll and analytics organization, he votes 100% of the time in the U.S. House with Joe Biden. Not 90%, not 98%. 100% of the time. So listen, he talks a decent game. I'll give him that. He talks a decent game when he's back in Ohio, but he's not going to fool the good citizens of Ohio. And I'll tell you what just was unearthed. You you uh, alluded to it regarding Bernie Sanders and Tim Ryan's run for president. Believe it or not, Tim Ryan believes that Bernie Sanders is not radical enough when it comes to the Echo Green New Deal agenda of the left. Here's what he said, and let me quote From Tim Ryan, this is Tim Ryan running for president. As you mentioned, his presidential bid went nowhere, but he ran for president and tried to tack hard to the left. And this is his quote. The way things are moving, Senator Sanders and I got into it in this debate a little bit. He was like banning gas cars in 2040. In my mind, in all honesty, it's like, okay, great, whatever. But if we're waiting for 2040 to get rid of gas vehicles, we're doing something terribly wrong. Tim Ryan, Congressman Tim Ryan, let me say that last part again. If we're waiting for 2040 to get rid of gas vehicles, we're doing something terribly (laughs) wrong. So he is to the left of Bernie Sanders. That is not remotely where Ohio is. And this is this isn't a clip I pulled out from 20 years yeah. ago, okay? This is from just yeah. over two years ago, right? I mean, this is very contemporaneous. That's who Tim Ryan is. So, yes, does he speak like a populist when he's at a union hall in Ohio? Sure, he does. But he goes to Washington, D.C. and he acts as a typical swamp creature, and he gets dutifully in line behind whatever Biden and Schumer tell him to do. And when it comes to the echo radical green agenda, which right now is wreaking havoc all over. Over the world, he in fact is at the most leftist extreme of even the Democratic Party, as portrayed by his, as revealed by his very
1: own word. Steve, what's the um, what's the debate schedule been like between uh, Vance and Ryan? Have they gone head to head yet? And, And how's that gone?
2: No, they they have not yet. But, you know, listen, I certainly look forward to it. One of the things about J.D. Vance, there's so much that I admire about him, but one of the things that I most admire uh, is compared to a lot of politicians, boy, does this guy do his homework. I mean, he's as much a policy wonk as he is a politician. Now, most people who are policy walks don't have the personality to be politicians and vice versa, right? Most of the people who have the politician personality don't have the the hustle and grit to do the policy work, to do the homework. And so in J.D. Vance, I think you find this confluence of both that's incredibly impressive and very, very effective. Look, J.D. Vance had a really tough primary, okay? And tough primaries are good. They're good for our country. They're good for our movement. Uh, That was a crowded primary full of a lot of money, of some pretty compelling candidates now jd vance was the most compelling which is why i got behind him very early and why thankfully president trump saw in him such promise and jd vance will take nothing for granted ohio is a state that certainly leans america first and leans red but he's going to take nothing for granted he's going to hustle all the way through the finish line and what i also would like to encourage folks about is uh as much as i'm into jd vance as much as i admire and support him this is a country-wide movement we've got some incredible candidates particularly for the Senate all of whom are America first, all of whom are young, uh, and most of whom are coming from the outside, meaning they had not been involved in politics before or they certainly haven't run for office before. So in, a difference, in addition to J.D. Vance, I'm talking about people like Katie Britt in Alabama, Blake Masters in Arizona, Adam Laxalt in Nevada, Herschel Walker in Georgia. If we get that entire class uh, of freshman yeah. senators over the finish line, they are going to change the entire complexion of the U.S. Senate, because you know how that Se- body Segal? works. And a committed group of small America-first patriotic populists can change yeah. the whole dynamic.
1: Go, go back to J.D. Vance real quick. Uh, Rob Portman, who retired from that seat, uh, won that state by 20 points the last time he ran as a Republican. Um, and that was before Trump turned Ohio's deep red. Has Portman endorsed...
2: Yes. Yes. He is, he is fully behind JD Vance and the Republican Party has coalesced well, which is not an easy task after a brutal primary, right? Uh, yeah. but the Republican Party has, has fully okay. coalesced. Mark McConnell Vance finally
1: finally antied up some money, which was go- good to see. Uh we're hoping um that Mitch uh, does the same thing for Herschel Walker in Georgia. That that race I was talking to Barris earlier, Richard Barris. And um, Herschel has, has taken the punches, and now he's back close to even with Warnock. He right. can take Warnock out if, uh, if he gets some help from Rhino World up there in, uh, in the swamp. Uh, but it's always good to be with you, Steve. Um, I think we're going to see you later today, perhaps. Uh, but tell us now what your uh, social media coordinates are. No, wait. I know this. Steve on Getter. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty easy. You know, that's why they gave it to me. Because you got Bannon on that, baby. Oh, right. Well, You got the Steve because, first.
2: Exactly. In part because, well, Ten I'm seconds. a baller. Okay. And ballers yeah. get it. But it also so that I can yeah. remember it. So I'm just at Steve. Yeah. I'm Cortez Steve on Twitter. Cortez with an asset. All right. Thank but you, you
1: got to know, I got a little clouded getter. So if you come on with a tie the next time, you know, you might I, lose that Steve handle. You're jealous. Um, Don't be jealous. All right. My, uh, <laughs> my brother, Cortez, you're the man. We'll be right back. Peter J. Navarro in the war room. Russ Bout, coming up. Russ Vought, my former colleague. Uh,
0: That's the incendiary new book from former Trump trade czar Peter Navarro, available on Amazon today. Stephen K. Bannon calls Taking Back Trump's America a brass knuckled insider's account of the merciless 2020 fall and miraculous 2024 rise of the White House of Trump. Taking Back Trump's America is the blueprint for a new Trump White House that will truly make America great once again. Order Taking Back Trump's America today on Amazon.
1: Peter K. Navarro in for Stephen K. Bannon. I've got a great guest now. I'm going to bring in uh, my former colleague uh, at the White House, uh, Russ Vogt. Uh, Russ was the director of the Office of Management and Budget at the White House. Um, Arguably the most powerful unknown position to many, uh, but uh, he did a great job while he was there. What I'm going to ask Russ to do now for the posse is um, briefly summarize all of the spending bills that have been queued up and passed by the Democrats and the Biden regime and then talk about the coming weeks and months about how Congress is gonna have to pass some debt ceiling raises and this, that, and the other thing. And the big question underlying all of this, Russ, is gonna be what should be the strategy of Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy to try to slow that uh, stagflationary bust down. So turn it right to you, Russ.
3: No, thank you, Peter. And it's very simple. There have not been the annual spending bills that fund all of the bureaucracies that the American people interact with. Those have not been passed. And so they are on the cusp of a deadline at the end of this month in which they are going to have to get spending bills passed or do a continuing resolution to kick the can down the road. And what is vital, absolutely vital, is that Republicans, and they have this authority to do this because they can block it in the Senate, they cannot allow a lame duck where an omnibus omnibus bill would pass after the election, and they cannot allow these full-year appropriations bills to be passed. Why? Because we need to have a cavalry come in the new year and have an ability to make these things and push back using the leverage of the power of the purse to push back against the Biden administration on everything from uh, the wokism that's infected the, the Department of Justice, what we deal with with regard to the FBI, uh, reforms to prevent the fact that they continue to bring in refugees who are unvetted. There is a host of reforms. The, the, uh, the wide open border that we see on a daily basis and when they have catch and release, there's a host of important priorities that have to be addressed in addition to rolling back the spending. And some of the spending that can be rolled back is the $80 billion for the IRS to have audits as far as the eye can see, $40 billion for the EPA to conduct criminal investigations of people who build uh, ponds on their ranch land in violation of the waters of the United States. So you get a sense of we have very little, in the minority, you don't have a lot of leverage points to beat back against the administrative state. It is absolutely vital that Republicans in the Senate do not allow a full-year appropriations bill and allow the cavalry to arrive in in January. And this is a totally doable thing. Even if you're not as conservative as you and I, Peter, are, you're not a watcher of the war room, you're just kind of a middle-of-the-road Republican senator, this is not, we're not calling for something that is ahistorical that's never been done. This is actually pretty common at times. And so, no lame duck, people should call their congressman, their senator in particular, and say... It is absolutely vital for you not to allow a lame duck where big spending can occur or big spending before an election.
1: All right. So let's let's break some of this down here. First of all, this this lame duck omnibus bill, um, I think what you're referring to there is uh, the possibility where they only have to have 50 votes, not two thirds for that. Am I got got that correct? no. Th- th-
3: th- The beauty of this strategy is that they can't do this with 51 votes. They have to pass normal spending bills, annual spending bills, to be able to get the 60 votes. But the problem is Republicans have given them those those 10 votes that they need to overcome the filibuster. So that's why, you know, Senate Republican leadership have the authority to be able to control this, to set this up the way it's necessary for the cavalry to come.
1: Is there any um, it, is there any implicit um, idea here that in order for them to execute this strategy, Russ, they'd have to threaten to shut down the government? And if so, how would that play before the election? I, uh, is that part so of the strategy?
3: It's it's not in this case because you know if we were saying we need to have all of these policy wins before the election, we need to get the administrative constr- state under control right now then that's now an opportunity that's that's a possibility but if you're saying look we we want to have the cavalry have an opportunity to come in january and get this thing under control or really to start to fight with the biden administration with increased numbers all you're doing is saying look we're going to kick this can down the road a little bit and what is congress good at they're good at kicking the can down the road and so this is why I, I say it's not unprecedented for having these short-term uh, extensions that sets you up to ensure that you don't pass these bloated spending bill now, where there's no fight right now to push on some of these cultural battles, and we've got to make sure there's no lame duck. So no senator can come to us and say, yeah. Peter and Russ, you guys are pushing for a shutdown right before the election. No, we're not.
1: So are you? Okay, again, let me break this down so I understand. You're deep in the weeds on it. What is the vote that has to be taken, say, over the next weeks or months for, to, to initiate that? Is that? Are you pro-extension or against the extension?
3: I would do a, a short-term clean extension. If you can't get clean. any progress, you can't do any, any progress along of our priorities uh, to prevent a long-term deal... I would do a short, clean extension into January. Let the cavalry come.
1: You want the extension has to go into January. The extension into is Jan- of what? What's the extension of?
3: Your all of your federal spending that you do on an annual basis. So you've got you know, everything from the military to uh, the Department of Education. All of that within the okay. fe- on an annual basis. Your non-entitlements that are on autopilot.
1: So the idea is to get it extended into January and then in January be able to claw back some of this stuff like the IRS, $80 billion. I didn't know the EPA was getting $40 billion. Are they getting that up front as well, like the IRS?
3: Yeah. Yeah. And they've got uh, language in there that say they want it to be pushed out the door in a number of, you know, two months. And Now, those, those deadlines are hard to meet, as you and I well know, but- you
1: know, they, they want to get I mean, this money spent as quickly as possible I mean Ross I, I don't I don't know if you or I have ever seen anything quite like this where where these dollars these tax dollars are being weaponized by agencies of government to go after people I mean you add as I understand it they're more than doubling the amount of people working now at the IRS at the same time they're buying weapons, for the irs i mean who are these people coming for and and the epa you yeah it's ranchers i mean have you ever seen anything like this who's behind that i was kind of wonder like who are the people who come up with this stuff because it's so un-american and it's going to just piss people off when these people start arresting people
3: yeah i think this is the thing that's different about the age that you and i are living in and you know it very firsthand of weaponized government is that we're not dealing with just kind of a budget-cutting exercise here. Uh, this, And mm-hmm. we have a, a ton of fiscal irresponsibility and we need to get our house under control. But we're dealing with woke and weaponized government. And it's two of those things. It's wokeness with a particular viewpoint about how you're going to live your life and is America a good country and are we going to level the entire country so that we can't ever have exceptionalism within the American people or and weaponized. And it's not just the FBI. It's not just the Department of Justice. It's not just the National, the, the NSA surveilling our phones. It is at the EPA. It is at the Interior Department that denies, intentionally denies an important right. renewal of a license so that an oyster company shuts down. Drake's Oyster Company. You have example after example of, of yeah. the administrative state weaponized against the American people. And that's why I think we have a political shot at reining this in, because people feel it in their own life.
1: You know, I, one of my deep regrets when, for our four years there at the White House is that we weren't able to clean uh, some of those career bureaucrats out of the bureaucracy uh, like we should. You know, they were just, like, hanging in the weeds, ready to rear their ugly hood, uh, head once once uh, Biden um, got back uh, in, into the White House, uh, this time as president. Um, is there any sense, Russ, of uh, remorse or realization of the strategic error, those the kind of the Lindsey Graham wing of the Senate uh, is about their acquiescence to the Democrats? I mean, they clearly got outmaneuvered. Do they understand that yet? Probably not.
3: I, you know, the Senate does not have a, a governing strategy of using leverage points. And that is a consensus that we are trying to build. One of the reasons our organization focuses on these issues is you can't govern without leverage points. And you can't govern and divide a government without leverage points. If you don't use them, if you allow the debt limit to be kicked into next year, which is when that expires and we're going to be prepared for that. If that's what continues to happen, how all you do is vote and you vote in the minority and you give a speech. But that's not what the American people vote you into office to do. They say... With all of your might, lead this country and try to be statesman with the, the leverage points that you have and to actually change the direction of the river that's going right now downstream inexorably.
1: See that's what puzzles me. I mean I remember I remember um, in the early stage of the Trump administration listening to, to Mitch McConnell talk kind of behind closed doors and bragging. About he was how how disruptive he was to Obama, and in Obama's book, he talks about how McConnell was able to continually slow him down. Um, has Mitch lost a step? Um, has Mitch kind of just so anti-Trump that he's like giving in to Democrats to the other? What's going on with McConnell, uh, Russ? Because clearly he doesn't embrace our values at this point.
3: Yeah, I think that Senate Republicans have a distaste for what they view as political risk, and in Washington D.C. is a cartel in many respects, and yeah. a cartel doesn't want that risk, and so they will uh, short the amount of policy objectives that they can accomplish because they are, are they're trying to get rid of the risk in the same way as business would, and you and I, we come to Washington, D.C., and we say, of course, we're going to have risk. That's what politics is about. And we can manage that risk within our, accomplishing our objectives, but we have to accomplish our and for And unfortunately, we have an institution in the United States Senate that over a long period of time, and we're seeing great manifestations of it right now, tries to govern without that risk and tries to not and to ultimately short on what can be the art of the possible is and that's really why we're in the hole that we're in across the board and why we need additional folks like JD Vance and Blake Masters to join their ranks and be able to seize these because one senator in the United States Senate can change everything and there's there's a limit well, to what each one of them can bear
1: my brother quick uh, 10 seconds social media you are a patriot sir and you're absolutely right on that
3: Thanks, Peter. They can get me at AmericaRenewing.com or at Russ on all the socials.
1: Do it, Posse. Russ, thanks again, my brother. You're always there for me. Peter K. Navarro will be right back in Stephen K. Bannon's War Room. It is Stephen K. Bannon's War Room. We will fight till they're all gone. We rejoice when there's no more. Let's take down the CCP.
0: Taking back Trump's America. That's the incendiary new book from former Trump trade czar Peter Navarro, available on Amazon today. Stephen K. Bannon calls Taking Back Trump's America a brass-knuckled insider's account of the merciless 2020 fall and miraculous 2024 rise of the White House of Trump. Taking Back Trump's America is the blueprint for a new Trump White House that will truly make America great once again. Order Taking Back Trump's America today on Amazon.